Welcome to another episode of West Obsessed, where the writers and editors of High Country News discuss issues critical to the health of the American West. I'm Deputy Editor Digital Kate Schimmel. Today we're in the studio to talk about the state of Jefferson. If you don't recognize the name, that's because it's not a state yet. Associate Editor Tay Wiles is joining us via Skype to talk about a recent story she wrote about a movement to create a new state in Northern California. Editor-in-Chief Brian Calvert, who edited the story, is also here to talk about how the story came to be. Welcome, Tay. Hi, Kate. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for joining us, Brian. No problem. Always it's my ha- job. <laughs> Literally. Always happy to gab. <laughs> to start out, Tay, I was wondering if you could just tell us about the state of Jefferson. Where is it, and how did it come to be? Yeah, the state of Jefferson uh, movement is in far northern California, what a lot of people call the North State up there. Um, The current movement today, which has been going on since late 2013, is targeting 20, 21 or so counties up there. Um, it's a conservative movement that wants to separate from the rest of California, um, create the 51st state. And um, yeah, it's a movement. I mean, this is a very, very rural area, traditionally has had timber economies, although that has declined in recent decades. And uh, yeah, it goes, you know, it's all the way from the coast inland uh, to uh, the Nevada border. So the movement itself has been around since the 1940s um, or even the late 1930s um, when a group of Jeffersonians, we can call them, or North Staters uh, demanded that um, they have their own state uh, because they felt underrepresented by the California legislature. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that history? What was the original uprising like? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the the most uh, famous moments in state of Jefferson history is 1941, um, when a group of armed men uh, created a roadblock on a highway up through the North State. I think it was in Siskiyou County. Um, And they had a bunch of, there was at least one reporter there who was filming the situation um, where they would stop cars on the highway and inform them that they were entering the state of Jefferson. They showed them this proclamation um, that said, you know, we're creating this state. We are not represented by California. We want to be able to develop our resources, timber and mining as, as we see fit. And also a big reason why they, they had this mini uprising in 1941 was because they felt that California was not maintaining the roads up there. You know, the roads were a major issue. They couldn't develop their resources and, and get timber out of the hills and um, minerals out of the hills without good roads. So they made this big show and this um, San Francisco Chronicle reporter wrote about it and ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize for it, but got a lot of fanfare through that. So that that uprising quickly disbanded when uh, Pearl Harbor happened and sort of everyone's attention went to World War II and the and the war effort. But that moment still looms large, I think, in the, in the minds of a lot of Jeffersonians today. What is the modern movement like? I'm guessing it's not armed men stopping cars on the highway. So yeah, the current movement 
started in late 2013 when Siskiyou County resident named Mark Baird helped get a resolution passed in a county commissioner's meeting to support the idea of creating a new state. The movement has, it's been grassroots. It's been largely focused on passing similar resolutions in counties across the North State. A number of them have passed. Um, many have failed as well. And the state of Jefferson movement today um, can be seen in local patriot group meetings. They have a number of organizers who each sort of represent a county across the North State and, ha- and host meetings um, on a on generally on a monthly basis. One of the interesting things that um, I found out when I was reporting this was that the movement is largely made possible by the Tea Party movement, the history of the Tea Party movement in this region. So there are a couple of Jefferson organizers who were major Tea Party organizers and created a bunch of local Tea Party groups in the region, and they sort of used those to reach out to their networks um, that they had built around that. And um, many of the groups the patriot groups that came out of the Tea Party movement now host Jefferson meetings. So that's sort of, if you want to see t- the movement today, the Jefferson movement today, you want to go to these these meetings. Um, you can also just drive through these counties and you're bound to see um, 51st State and Jefferson flags and signs everywhere. So it's very much sort of like a part of the ethos up there. But if you really want to see it in action, you want to go to these meetings. And of course, now they have a lawsuit that they started last year suing the state of California for uh, lack of representation. So that's sort of a new tack that the movement is taking today. Could you talk a little bit about that lawsuit? Because it really gets to the heart of what Jeffersonians want, which is hard for me to understand. I mean, California is one of the biggest economies in the country and in the world, and these folks want out. Why? So a lot of the issues that come up in these meetings and in newsletters, um, when you when you speak to uh, people who support the Jefferson movement, are issues like the 12 cent per gallon gas tax that was implemented in California recently, or um, the rural wildfire fee for people who live in rural areas who were required for a period of time to pay this extra fee to help the state pay for um preventing wildfires. Um, they felt that that was unfair and the money didn't actually go back to their counties to help them. Or gun laws that they feel in California, which of course is dominated by Democrats, is, are, are too strict. Um, so issues like this that really get at conservative values, but also sort of highlight um, what some people call a sort of rural-urban divide. And so something like the gas tax may impact them more because of course, when you're in a rural community, you have to drive farther to get to get certain services. Um, so those are the these are the types of issues that come up for Jeffersonians. So in a lot of ways, it's sort of a part of a much larger ongoing story, and Jefferson is the latest iteration of that. But to your question, I mean, one of the key pieces of the lawsuit they bring up is there's what, 40 million people in California now, the number of state legislators is the same as it was when the state had less than a million people. Um, so they you know, say this is unconstitutional and it's very difficult to to have a say in, in the laws that are passed in their state if um, they, there's sort of this dilution of vote and they feel they feel that you know it's it's difficult to get to your representative. It's difficult to have an impact. So that representation piece is really uh, key to the whole movement. 
Yeah, thinking back about the connections of different things, the first time I became aware of the state of Jefferson was seeing a, a picture of a man with a hat on that said state of Jefferson. It was like a, one of those watch caps. Um, and it was a photograph that we had from when we covered the occupation of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon. So there was this guy that was, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a classic picture of a guy like, I think he was like lighting a cigarette maybe or smoking a cigarette. But anyway, that, was Neil, that was Neil Wampler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I remember seeing that and wondering what the state of Jefferson was. Um, and, and and then we've got Tay out in California and she's been watching this um, this kind of movement uh, that really didn't have a lot of air under it for a while. It was just, it's kind of an identity thing. People kind of think of it that way. You might see state of Jefferson paraphernalia, like a bumper sticker next to a don't tread on me kind of bumper sticker, something kind of like this mixed libertarian, anti-fed, muddled understanding of the constitution type of movement out there, which there are many. But then Donald Trump is elected president and the state of California or the blue parts or the very liberal parts of that state kind of go berserk, right? And they form a resistance to Trump and his policies. Uh, And that gets enacted in politics. So what happened, I think, is that the people who are sort of identifying with this movement, uh, which is kind of like a historical movement, and they they feel like disconnected from representation for the reasons that Tay was describing, suddenly they feel it more strongly, much more strongly. And so the movement kind of gets this uh, this extra kick. So for a few years, it's just kind of it's like going around, and the, yeah, it's mixed in with Tea Partyism and some of the more um, hardline Republican uh, movements or political movements. But then they really start to see this California resistance, which is a backlash to Trump's election, and then there's another backlash. So this is a sort of reverberation kind of story to me, where uh, people who were feeling left out of the government, really started to feel it because California at the legislative level and the political level are fighting back against the federal policies of, of Donald Trump. So yeah. that's what I like about this story. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. That's what I started noticing about a year ago now when I um, started noticing Jefferson was in the news more. I signed up for the newsletter and these conference calls. And um, yeah, every every meeting and a newsletter I saw addressed an issue of the California resistance to Trump. So yeah, it was very much, a, it's very much a reverberation story. Something like the sanctuary state bill that was, you know, to protect undocumented immigrants from have from confrontations with the uh, uh, immigrations and customs enforcement. So that's an issue that comes up a lot for, for Jeffersonians. Also climate change. So Governor Jerry Brown's pushback to Trump's aversion to addressing climate change on a national level was very much an issue for Jeffersonians. They were really angry about Jerry Brown uh, pushing back against Trump in the way that he did. So, yeah, I I think a lot of people are wondering how the election of President Trump has had an impact on the ground in rural areas in the West, like the North State. And um, this was one I didn't maybe naively, I didn't quite anticipate until I reported this story was that in a state like California that um, is putting up such a resistance, that is actually the thing that's creating or helping foster new movements like Jefferson. Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating the way you just see these movements and counter movements and counter movements to the counter movements kind of springing up right now. And I mean, we're seeing this happen across the West. 
in some ways. Yeah, I mean, you could take the lessons from the state of Jefferson in California and, uh, and apply it to a lot of different states. Really, it's this the failure, I think, of um, urban elites to understand what rankles their rural neighbors. So the idea of a gas tax seems like a great idea for people who live in a city and don't drive very far, although that's not true of Southern California necessarily. But um, <laughs> for people who live in a rural area, it's a big deal because that's how they get around. So when you implement a gas tax, what you do is you sort of um, put some kind of extra penalty in in their eyes uh, on the people who live in the rural areas. So they're being taxed to their mind for being in a, in a rural area. So policies like that that get enacted that don't really consider the rural areas or people who live in those rural areas or the effect that it's going to have on them is part of what upsets people. They want, to, they want to be represented, and they're not feeling represented. And so across these, um, there are sort of like 23 counties that are targeted, and of those 23 counties, 21 of them have done, um, well, some, some of them have passed uh, measures at the county level to uh, support the state of Jefferson. Um, and in some of the counties that didn't pass those resolutions, then the state of Jefferson people went out and did kind of their own surveys and are saying, well, if we still have like the majority of support from the people, even if it's not reflected at the county level, which is kind of an interesting twist on representation. Um, but uh, you, there is a lot of support for just sticking it in the eye of the California legislature and some legislature and trying to get out of there somehow. And so then you get a, a, a lawsuit that's like, okay, well, we want, you know, we want all this representation or, or, or what, or give us like the permission to leave. Um, and we should say that uh, it is not a secessionist movement. They don't want to leave the United States. They just want to leave California and be their own state and represent themselves. Um, right, Tay? Right, exactly. I mean, that, and that reminds me of um, another big issue for them, which is CalExit, which is the, the, very liberal liberal movement, fringe movement that started, of course, before Trump got elected, but got a lot of energy after Trump did get elected. Um, for California to move, or to from for California to leave the union, and um, Jeffersonians just, you know, hate that obviously, and and do not want to leave the union. You know, they want to become the fifty first state. There, there was one other thing that you mentioned, Brian, that reminded me of something interesting I learned when I was reporting, which is I, you know, the fact that the obstacles they have to surmount to create a new state seem almost, you know, in, impossible to do. They need U.S. Congress and California legislature to agree to creating the new state. And a lot of people say, okay, that's that's impossible. But that's not the point of the story, whether or not this state can be created. But it's the fact that people want this new state and there's a lot of energy. There's a fair amount of energy behind it right now, which reminded me of some other movements we've seen in the West, so, you know, sort of like – the land transfer movement, which has been, there's been so much energy behind that to transfer federal lands across the West to state or local control. And it, it hasn't gotten that, it hasn't gotten close to achieving its goal. But th through these types of movements, we see a lot of network building and energy going towards sort of side issues. Like in the case of Jefferson, you know, Im immigration policies or gun laws or things like that. Um, we see those issues becoming points to rally around through the state of Jefferson movement, which, you know, doesn't look like it has that much of a chance of, of happening. Yeah, I think it's fascinating the way that sort of central movement, the central premise of which is unlikely to ever come to pass, is fueling kind of the entire platform of 
the movement at large and of conservative ideologies. If you're just joining us, you're listening to West Obsessed, a collaboration between High Country News and KVNF Community Radio in Peonia, Colorado. We're talking about a movement in Northern California to separate from the rest of the state. Tay, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about Kayla Brown, who you wrote a lot about. And she's this young woman who found this movement really appealing. Could you tell us a little bit about her and why that was? Yeah, Kayla Brown was a really interesting person to follow through this movement. Um, She's a woman in her late 20s and uh, lives in Shasta County. And she came to the movement at the very beginning of the current iteration, so late 2013. She was working towards a master's degree and writing a thesis on separatism and statehood and had a strong passion for early American history. And uh, so her interests were very much aligned with the constitutional arguments that Mark Baird, who sort of is helping lead the movement, um, was was putting out there. She told me that most of her high school friends from the area have left. And she and, and others have told me this is sort of part of this trend of people with conservative values up there moving to other states like Idaho, Montana, Texas, and Alaska, um, places where they can find communities that reflect their conservative values and where the state doesn't seem to be over-regulating uh, natural resources or, or other things um, that are important to them. So she's she sort of feels this like emptying out of the of this region that she really loves and that she has grown up in. And she feels like she's one of the only people left there from, you know, from her high school years. So I think she's reflective of a lot of other young people that she knows. I thought she was also an interesting person to follow because, you know, the, the movement is mostly older people, but she was a good reminder that that there's a whole new generation of people that, you know, find this movement compelling. So she, like Mark Baird, believes that creating a new state is a good way to enact her values and, as she puts it, allow for families to be whole again. So sort of um, stopping this outflow, this outmigration that she sees of people who just want to get away from California. So for her, you know, she she has young kids and she doesn't she doesn't want them to move away. She wants to be able to raise them in the place that she loves and the place that she's from. And um, that was I think that was one of the big reasons that she got involved. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting in your reporting. And some of it, I'm not didn't quite make it into the story. But this idea that people in California are like, I don't want to live here. I need to go find a conservative state to live in. So they start looking for jobs and opportunities in Idaho and Wyoming and Montana and, and Texas. And there are actually places set up that sort of encourage this like like websites or real estate agents mm-hmm. and brokers that are like, hey, are you tired of living in liberal whatever? Come over here and live in this place. And here's how it works. And they would kind of walk people through this process of moving. So that it's really organized around an idea that like you can you can be one of us, you can come over here. So there's a polarity happening there. And uh, so there's these pull factors that uh, Kayla Brown is like noticing around her. There are also these economic factors, which are very obvious to the people who live in Northern California. Uh, but we also like kind of dug into the data and looked at it. But if you look at these Northern counties, uh, and the way that they're performing economically against the rest of California, they're not doing that great. And some of them are doing very poorly. Uh, a lot of them are just stagnant, which if your economic growth is stagnant while the re- the rest of the state around you 
uh, is really kind of exploding uh, economically and growing, uh, you can really feel that. So there's this uh, extra bite to it where you're not being represented, you live in rural areas, and there just aren't jobs, and then there starts to be not services. So law enforcement starts to kind of have to take a break. Uh, I think like about 7 p.m. or something, this leader of the movement said, and uh, so you start to get all these different factors and people just start looking for somewhere else to go. So in a way, the state of Jefferson is already kind of occurring in these sort of hollowing out of uh, people from these northern counties. Uh, or at least there's a, a shift in the cultural dynamics of these counties. Because when you look at the growth, they're not all just emptying out. There's other people are kind of like moving right. in. I mean, well, they say like all oh, these like uh, people with urban values are moving in, so it's hard to sort of decode exactly what that means. It's difficult. It's difficult to say. I, um, you know, I dug into this a little bit, although I think that we should do more reporting on this. There are some people moving from from coastal areas and areas with um, higher co- cost of living. It's not. It doesn't seem to be like the overwhelming trend of migration, but there, yeah, there are uh, people looking for lower lower cost of living you know the latino population has gone up in the past couple of decades it's not again it's not like um a complete transformation but um uh yeah i think there are people who can no longer afford to live on the coast or in sacramento um so and i think that people like kayla are feeling that those those changes um however subtle they may be yeah i think west wide when we look at the data what we really see is that young people continually are just moving out of rural areas in the west and in some places, um, Northern California is one of them. Eastern Montana is a surprising place where we're seeing this. Uh, large populations of Hispanics are moving in. So there's a change in the demographics there slightly. Um, and it's just this broader trend of the rural West is just seeing people leave. People are leaving the, the rural West. Do you think that's true? think you're right. I mean, that I think also there's a trend of people leaving California overall to look for a lower cost of living. So um, I think that, yeah, people leaving the North States look for more to, for communities with more conservative values and um, fewer regulations by the state is true. But there's that's also within the context of this trend of people leaving California overall. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, one thing I'm sort of hearing you guys say is you're talking about a really different California up there. And I think that's something we've seen kind of across the West, is states that maybe once felt like they had a unified sense of what it meant to be a Washingtonian or a Californian or a Coloradan. And people's senses of that identity are just pulling apart and becoming different and reshaped. And that's happening because people are leaving and because new people and new communities are coming. And also because the politics of the current moment are pushing people to see the people around them in different ways. So yeah, they code it as urban values or as, you know, rural values. You know, it's the rural-urban divide. And many of those shifts are much more complicated, like you're saying, laws that don't serve the rural communities and economics that may help counties way down in the south and do nothing for Northern California. Yeah, I think the, the West is changing, and we are seeing very real manifestations of that change. Uh, we are seeing that happen through the administration of the new president. That's causing a different kind of energy to sort of infuse itself into some of the changes that were already taking place. And I just think it's like a huge story for us to watch. I'm wondering, finally here, right at the end, how seriously should we take these movements? And what, as people who aren't part of these movements, 
should we be thinking about watching them? In order to think about that question, it's helpful to to look at the larger context and think about, okay, you know, if if this movement was made possible by the Tea Party movement, the Tea Party movement, you know, came from these complicated factors that were in in response, a conservative response to the Obama administration. Now we're seeing a resurgence in sagebrush rebellion type activity paired with the militia movement and the patriot movement in the American West, which the Jeffers- Jeffersonians echo in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that they're connected. And just because something like Jefferson has these seemingly insurmountable hurdles, we shouldn't necessarily write off thinking about it or trying to understand it or trying to um, uh, see where people are coming from because, um, of course, there's some real grievances in there. And then also, um, you know, I think we can learn learn about our region and the, and the country through looking at it as well. And more to that, I would say that the, the big takeaway here is that this cultural moment that we're having in America is one of division and exclusion. Uh, and that's really being exacerbated uh, by politics on all sides, and people are really feeling resentful. And now on two, on two different sides. So the idea of a, a resistance to Trump and a state of Jefferson arising at the same time is just not coincidental. And I think you know, for for us to watch these movements is important because we need to understand that people are feeling excluded from the process. And when people start feeling excluded from the political process. Uh, they find other means to be heard. And and sometimes those are very, very dangerous. Thanks for that, Brian. And that's all we have time for today. If you want to find out more about public land issues, separatist movements, the economics of the rural West, you can visit our website at hcn.org. We have many years of coverage on these issues. If you want to continue this conversation, visit kvnf.org. Thanks for talking with me, Tay. Great. Thanks, Kate. And thanks, Brian. No problem. And for West Obsessed, I'm Kate Schimmel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>